You're 37 years old and you decide your two young sons need to start watching some of the films you loved as a child. You turn on one of them and about 72 minutes in, you see a scene where a ghost is giving one of the main characters oral sex. You certainly don't remember that when you watched it as a child. What were your parents thinking? This is most definitely not a children's film. This is real sex. Ooh, that sugar sweet. You got what I need. Sipping on the potion. All that good emotion. This is Real Sex with Dr. Noel. I'm Dr. Noel Pomeroy, a clinical sexologist and licensed mental health counselor. I'm going to be talking to guests about sex scenes from movies and TV that they find the most memorable. Maybe because it caused them to have a personal epiphany. It could be a scene they watched a hundred times for research purposes. Or it could have been the first time they ever learned anything about sex. Let's find out. My first guest is one of my favorite people on this flat earth. Just kidding. <laughs> I know it's a square. Yeah. Um, I was your second favorite person on the flat earth. <laughs> second favorite person. Uh, a fellow mental health professional, an amazing father and friend, Stephen Montesinos. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Uh, you know, I am so excited to have you here because you are, you know, really into pop culture, you love movies, and you're my first male guest. Oh. So I think that, like, we're going to get a unique perspective compared to our previous two ladies. So. Yeah, so no pressure. No, <laughs> no, no, no pressure. In terms of performance, no pressure. No pressure at all. <laughs> you are representative of all men on, on Earth as far as real sex is concerned. <laughs> all right, I can take that, I think. We'll see. So let's jump in with our first movie that you brought in. Top Gun. Yes. Tell us a little bit about this movie from 1986, as far as what it is about this sex scene that stuck with you. Just a little bit of a backstory here. Um, I think I was probably about 12 years old, mm -hmm. tw between 12 and 13 years old, so hormones are in full effect. <laughs> and, um, you know, this was back in the VH VHS day, yeah. so VCRs, um, I'm sure most of your audience probably is very familiar with the VCR. Um, and some may not, but uh, research it. You can Google that if you have no idea what I'm talking about. But I went into my parents' room and they had, you know, the pull-out trays for the VHSs where you could have your, like, collection stashed underneath your, you know, old-style television. Yeah. And uh, I saw Top Gun. And I don't remember when it clicked that it was seemed like a movie that I wanted to watch, but it did. And I can just remember one day sitting down, putting it into the VCR, and then just watching it on my own. I was about 12, 12 and a half years old. Um, and so aside from all of like the gratuitous machismo and, yeah. you know, the action scenes and which was very exciting for a 12 year old, you know, to see the life of a, of a, of a Navy naval pilot at a Top Gun Academy. Um, it got finally gets to the scene where Kelly McGillis's character, Charlie, the flight instructor, which is like a whole nother element to it too, yes. which now as I think about it is like, it's a little interesting, but he, uh, she, and then Tom Cruise's character, Maverick. Uh, sort of get into a bit of a tiff over a rating that she gave him and then she admits that the reason why she was so strict with her rating uh, she admits that she just didn't want anyone to realize that she was falling for him oh okay. <clears throat> and it was like at 12 years old you're like oh they're about to get it on <laughs> <laughs> and then this music starts playing Watch it. 
just say I hate that fucking song? <laughs> you can say it. <laughs> you can say that's a lot, I think. Oh my gosh, not only does it not put me in the mood, it makes all my parts roll back inside my body. <laughs> oh my gosh. It is it is cringeworthy at some level for some people, I think. So tell me what it is about this scene that stuck with you. You know, that's interesting because I went back and rewatched it just to kind of, and it doesn't hit the same way. <laughs> no. At, at almost 40 years old, it doesn't quite hit the way that it did at, at age 12. But I, I think it was a combination of the, like, the transition from an argument to sort of like this inflamed instant attraction yeah. and sexual desire. Uh-huh. I mean, there's something about that that's really incredibly hot, you know, so you're like, whoa, they're going to transform all that energy into some sort of like sexual, I don't know, fuel. Uh-huh. <laughs> they're going to go and unleash on each other. <laughs> so so the music comes on and Berlin's, you know, Take My Breath Away, which I don't know how many hits Berlin had, but that's probably the only one I ever know of, I've yeah. ever known of, Yes, um, comes on. And I, it's, it's, it's the combination of that kind of like almost, I don't know, it was like, semi-pornographic synth pop yeah (laughs) (laughs) that sets the mood you know the I know it just it feels like things are growing when you hear that (laughs) (laughs) you know so so you can feel it and then the scene kicks off with both of them it's sort of a shadowy scene and I think what I realized was most incredible about it was probably the first time I saw two people passionately kissing because there's really it's more of like an erotic kind of foreplay because there really isn't any simulation, sexual simulation that I could tell of except he's laying on her. Yes, They're... which confused 10-year-old me because <laughs> I saw this in the theater when I was 10 uh-huh. and I was like, oh, so the man uh-huh. with the big nose is just going to like lay on top of the woman because you just see shadows <laughs> and just continuously stick his tongue in her mouth. <laughs> That's kind of what I thought was happening. Yeah. Because I rewatched this yesterday and uh-huh. I was going, tongue, 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 tongue. Yeah. Tongue. There's a lot of tongue. It's a steamy tongue scene. I mean, I thought <laughs> <laughs> I thought to myself, like, and I I don't know, this is maybe a sideboard, but I, I didn't do the research, but did Tom Cruise and Kelly McGillis, like, hook up or date for a while? Well, uh, to my knowledge, she is, uh, she prefers the company of women. Ah. So I, I don't know about, about back then. Okay. But I think this movie should be called Top Tongue. Top Tongue. <laughs> yeah, it's an excellent remake. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, I think it's. I think it's that. It's just the open mouth kissing, the tongue. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was probably the first time I'd seen that in a 12-year-old, that 12 years old. I mean, at that point, I don't think I'd, I, I know I'd never kissed a, a person before. Yeah. And, and and I'm straight, so in this case, you know, I wanted to kiss girls. Right, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and, and um, I had never, and it was like, I'd seen kissing scenes before, but nothing like that. Yeah. Um, and... They both, yeah, they both kind of got into it. And then as an adult, I was thinking, I wonder what that was like to both film yeah. and then also to, uh, you know, as an actor and then also mm-hmm. as, like, you know, a crew on the set. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because that's, that's, they did a pretty good job of making it appear to be pretty steamy. Yeah. And then it's over. It's like, you don't, you, you, the next scene, I think, is of her lying in the bed, sort of. Right. Like, know. as uh, with the, it's all very, she looks perfect, and then she has the sheet over her chest. Yeah. As every woman is required to do in a post-coital scene. <laughs> you look know, perfect and have a sheet over your yes. chest. Yes. You know what you mentioned um, about the turning the anger and then immediately having sex afterwards? Mm-hmm. I hear from a lot of clients that post-fight sex, mad sex, angry sex, that mm-hmm. it's, a, it's something really people seem to enjoy. It's not in everyone's repertoire, apparently, but um, people seem to 
get a kick out of that. Maybe it's like a redistribution of their energy from, you know, the anger to the, I don't know. Yeah. You know, I will say, even though um, I was more horrified by the scene when I was 10, I Mm -hmm. did have a bit of a sexual awakening from the volleyball scene. Oh, um, yes. Because I used to think Val Kilmer and Rick Rosovich were the hottest things to walk on earth. Uh-huh. And so I have seen that scene more than um, more than I should have. Oh, yeah, the research purposes. For research uh, purposes, the, yes. Yes, the purpose that you mentioned <laughs> earlier, sure. You so, know, I think that, in, and I can say, as you know, a straight guy who can appreciate men, I can remember thinking, these guys are fit. Yes, they I were. I mean, this is quite the scene. Yes. Yeah. And I became a volleyball player after that. <laughs> Did you? Yes. Okay. I became um, a shirtless pilot. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the next movie we're going to move on to is 1999's American Pie. Oh, gosh. Which has had, how, I don't know, thousands of sequels. Yeah. yeah. It was a huge hit starring Jason Biggs and Chris Klein, Natasha Lyonne. I'm interested to see what it is that stuck out to you about American Pie. Yeah. So there's a lot of different things. And let me preface this by saying, you know, um, a lot of the scenes in there, I think, uh, to today's standards, are problematic. <laughs> um, but I think it was, an, for me, it felt like it was, an, even as problematic as it, may, as it was, it felt like a representation of my generation. Mm-hmm. So I was, a se- I was a high school senior when that movie came out. Um, and I remember watching it in the movie theater. And unlike, you know, my prior kind of uh, um, eye-opening experience with Top Gun at this point, I was much more, ma- not incredibly mature, <laughs> but more than a 12-year-old boy yeah. in terms of maturity level. It was, it, it felt more comfortable. It felt more natural. And it felt somewhat semi-validating. Um, I, I guess, so the scene that I think about the most is the scene towards the end of the movie when they finally get to the party and then um, uh, Thomas Nicholas's um, character Kevin and then Tara Reed's character Vicky they finally lose their virginity yeah um, and that is a cringeworthy yet also incredibly accurate I think depiction of what like a first sexual experience would be like for most people their age yeah because at the end you're <laughs> yeah it was so anticlimactic. It was like the whole build-up mm-hmm. to the entire movie was the two of them finally hooking up, and then they did, and it was like it was painful as you would like expect. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't know what they were doing. They depicted that pretty well. Mm-hmm. I don't know if either of those actors were virgins at the time. Yeah. But they did a really good job of depicting what the awkwardness mm-hmm. of like a first, you know, sexual encounter might be um just from all of the myths that you kind of come in with and all the pressure that you have to sort of prepare i think that's part of it i can't remember if it was that movie or not but there was maybe it was a second movie where they started to look into like people's notes i remember that from the second american pie about how to have successful sexual encounters oh yeah the oral sex manual yeah the or yeah. yeah it was like a it was, it was like I remember there being something about a tongue tornado. The tongue tornado, yes, yeah, it was like a collection of of, of uh, mutual like half-assed wisdom <laughs> <laughs> about how to have a successful experience and and give your partner an orgasm or whatever. But yeah. to get back to the scene, I think it was an amazing juxtaposition of Vicky and uh, Kevin's character, and then you had Oz and Heather uh-huh. who were like the sweethearts who had probably the best. Well, I guess it depends on what your preferences are in terms of sexual experience, but 
if you liked like the sweet, gentle, like mm-hmm. uh, storybook sex scene for like a teenage couple, they yeah. achieved. I mean, they fell asleep on a dock. Yeah, that's pretty. In it's a, pretty in, sweet. And like a <laughs> yeah, and like an embrace. Um, whereas most people might be like, I'm going inside and I'll <laughs> sleep on the couch, and your hair's a mess. But uh, that juxtaposed also with uh, Jason Biggs' character Jim, mm-hmm. and then uh, his uh, the I flute girl, Allison. Uh, yes, Allison Hannigan, uh, Michelle uh, yeah. Flattery in the movie The Flute Girl. Their scene where she goes from like an unassuming band geek uh-huh. to then like this sexual, uh, I don't know, tyrant in the yeah. bedroom. Yeah. You know, the whole Say My Name Bitch scene. Uh, uh, I mean, that just, I, I can still laugh for, for hours about that if I think about it today. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the other, like, for most 18, 17-year-old, 16-year-old boys, like, the most uh, enjoyable scene there, I think, for most straight boys would be the scene with the MILF. Um, uh, so, yeah, yeah, so we have that scene where Stifler's Finch, mom. Yes, yeah. Eddie K. Thomas, and uh, a.k.a. Finch, and Stifler's mother uh-huh. uh, hook up on the pool table. And uh, so it was like all four of those <laughs> scenes together, just I think each of them hit on a different experience I think most people in my generation that I related to could really kind of feel validated by yeah and we're excited by so yeah I never really thought of it that way that's really interesting because it does really go show like the breadth of experiences that people can have and there's probably more on top of that but yeah, yeah it was really diverse you know one thing about this movie that I, I think is a scene you probably want to talk about as well but the scene where Jim invites Nadia over for tutoring or some sort of homework oh, together. Yeah. Nadia is played by uh, Shannon Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. and Back in the day, that she was a smoke show. She and, is as, a smoke as, show. She is, yeah. I haven't seen any of her work more recently, but as uh, I can tell you, as a 17, 18-year-old straight boy, yeah, uh, yeah, that was one of the number one reasons why I watched the movie. Yeah, probably. and I think she's supposed to be a Czechoslovakian exchange student who... Apparently has no boundaries, which is okay, I guess, uh, for the purposes of this. But they right, it makes the scene maybe a little bit problematic, horrific. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So the gist of the scene is that um, Nadia has come from the gym, and so she needs to change in Jim's bedroom. So Jim leaves, mm-hmm. and she starts to change, but then finds pornos, uh, ba- magazines, like, in his nightside stand. So she yeah. leaves her shirt off and starts masturbating on the side of his bed. Yes. Which, I, I mean, that's that's a that's a move. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and I gotta tell you, every straight boy in the theaters at that point in time <laughs> was going nuts at that idea. I mean, you've got this incredibly smoking hot, uh, you know... Uh, uh, female laying in your bed who's apparently willing yeah willingly (laughs) kind of goes through your stuff and she's into it and it's like it's a perfect mix of him who is he's just like a sexual buffoon yes you know it's like he 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 found like you know uh atlantis (laughs) no idea how to scuba dive it was like you know (laughs) so he comes in and he tries to seduce her by doing this horrible dance that's quite uh, funny. Yeah. Um, but Which, essentially it ends because he sits down next to her and she takes his hand and puts it on his leg and he has premature ejaculation. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. This scene is hilarious. However, I, as someone who has worked with lots of people who have trauma and things happening from that happened to them in high school that they can never they can't get over. Mm-hmm. I was thinking how embarrassing this experience would be for both people involved 
and how like this might be something people talk to me in my office about 20 years after it happens oh yeah because unless jim had a super low iq and didn't care what other people thought but he clearly doesn't he i mean he he seems like a relatively intelligent guy relatively right and pretty self-conscious yeah i mean he would be humiliated to the point of like probably struggle to show his face at school and he would get teased relentlessly for a very long time but they don't spend any time on that no it's sort of yeah i can remember that scene it's an inaccurate depiction i think of reality in which he he i mean he the trauma from that for him would have been a lifelong experience and for her as well absolutely and we don't hear her story we don't it's it's definitely told from male point of view the whole movie right um right the young adolescent horny male right right because inappropriate with inappropriate boundaries right, and bad all decision these making horny dude she goes to school with would probably think like she's awesome but mm-hmm. i think the females at school would probably not be so kind yeah 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 so uh i thought that was interesting it was i mean uh, so yes so problematic in many ways um but, but funny very funny but funny yeah nonetheless and, and very much what you would expect of people that age in terms of poor decision making yeah um and it and i think the thing that was kind of interesting about it too was it was at the it was like at a point when the internet really wasn't as as big as it is now obviously mm-hmm. and camera quality was not nearly what it is now i mean we've got 4k you right. know cameras in your pocket in terms of your cell phone and back then it was like the old aol circular mm-hmm. uh you know webcam <laughs> and i don't even think it had sound because i oh yeah people were trying to figure out what they were talking about at one point yeah i can't remember i i think they were i think they might have he might have been playing some sort of like techno music when he was dancing yes. and they may have heard that but i mean just all of the people that were watching as horrific as you can imagine that would be for someone who didn't know they were being filmed i mean their reactions are just you know you can't help but laugh and the guy with there was a guy with a monkey well that was actually blink 182 who provided oh. some of the music for the soundtrack which by the way if you have not uh-huh. listened to the soundtrack from this film it's awesome it is oh, it's a really gosh. good soundtrack. I, need to, I need to go and download that then on the streaming service um yeah that's right blink 182 was in it and then i think one of my favorite scenes was because i think I think I wish, I think I'd like to think I identified most with um, Paul Finch or Finch. Uh-huh. Uh, just because he was like the, the nerdy kind of guy that got no respect, but like was like a sexual Don Juan yeah. almost, you uh-huh. know? Um, and Are you saying you're a sexual Don Juan? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, we'll have to ask my uh, spouse. <laughs> so we're recording this the day before Halloween. I'm not sure when it's going to actually be released, but I think that... You wanted to bring us a special mention of a film from 1984. Oh, yeah. And its subsequent sequel as well, I guess, which is redundant. <laughs> but um, if, if, if I may. Please do. Yeah, this is sort of like the bonus right part. Um, so I, I just wanted to give a shout out to Ghostbusters. Uh, oh. Which most people will think, well, I guess... I, I guess I guess you do think of sex because especially Peter Vakeman, um, Bill Murray's character. Yes, he's his, a horn dog. His infatuation, yeah, uh, with a, a you know a certain female in that movie. But um, there are two scenes in there that I did not recognize as being sexualized until I was much older and rewatching it with my boys. There are two scenes: one in Ghostbusters one and two that are pretty highly sexualized, but in a subtle way. Um, and in the first one, and I think this scene actually gets edited out in the TV version. But there is a scene where Dan Aykroyd's character, Ray, is lying down in bed, and then a ghost appears above him, and then the ghost starts to kind of, like, 
pan out of the shot down towards like the it, it, you know his penis area mm -hmm. and then the next thing you see is like something some sort of invisible invisible force unzips his pants pulls down his pants and they pan up to his face and obviously he looks to be pretty much enjoying himself yeah. <laughs> in that scene and it wasn't until I was you know in my 30s that I realized he's getting oral sex from a ghost <laughs> <laughs> or I guess he could be getting a hand job, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but something is happening with a ghost. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, they, they could be doing multiple things. I guess it, it depends on how sexually creative the ghost is. <laughs> but that scene struck me. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know what? There's actually people who have researched sex with ghosts. Um, I'm not kidding. This is a thing. Wow. Um, I actually, when I was doing my doctorate in clinical sexology, we there was a woman who came in and did a presentation on sex with ghosts. And I have to admit, after about 10 minutes, I found a reason to leave the room. Mm -hmm. um, but what I did find interesting is her research also involved people who have orgasms while they sleep. Oh, okay. So that was a little more interesting to me because I think that's a little less uh, ghost-like yeah. necessarily. Um well, I wish I could ask Dan Aykroyd if, and that's the question I'd ask him is, was that a dream sequence? Was he dreaming that? Mm -hmm. You know, because he seemed to be a pretty, like, he fit the nerd description of somebody who, who in that in that movie, his character really isn't at all seen as an object of sexual desire. I mean, maybe for some. Yeah. I don't think it was intended that way, but then here he is having this kind of, like, potentially, like, erotic dream. With a reasonably hot ghost. With a reason, yeah, yeah, the ghost did seem to be reasonably hot. It wasn't hot. Slimer. It <laughs> <laughs> Although that would have made for an amazing sequence. I mean, Slimer with all the hot dogs in his mouth in that one scene. Hey, he, you know, he could probably pleasure lots of men at once. Then. Well, you know, he was sort of like, it was a little braggadocious of him, I think. It was kind of like... Look what I can do! <laughs> hey, buddy, take a look at this. I've got like, you know, a good baker's dozen, of, two baker dozen of the hot dogs in my mouth at one time. Uh, give me your best shot. So... That scene, it goes down, and then the next one was also the other in the movie, you know, um, nerdier character, which is Egon, uh -huh. um, and that was in Ghostbusters 2, when they have the slime, and they're trying to determine, you know, like, what this psychoactive, psychokinetic slime is capable of, right, so it, like, feeds off of negative vibes, so what happens if we, like, interact with it in an overly positive way. Mm -hmm. So Ray's going through the list of, like, how they've experimented with it. You know, we've, we've, we've uh, sung to it. You know, we've, we've eaten dinner with it. And we've, we've said nice, caring, and endearing things to it. And then I think Vakeman, Bill Murray's character, says, you haven't slept with it, have you? And then you see Egon's face, and he sort of, like, pans away a little bit from the scene. And I think Winston Zedmore... The character uh, in, in Ernie Hudson's character yeah. kind of says, it's always the quiet ones. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, at that point, as an adult, you realize that, like, he did something with that slime. Oh. Um, you know, so put a body part into it or, okay. you know, did some variation of that It would probably make it. a decent lubricant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my know. gosh. Yeah. You know, they could have Is it packaged. more silicone based or water based? That's what we need to know. Yeah. The questions that need to be answered because they were sitting on a gold mine. <laughs> All of this mood slime, you start packaging it as a sexual lubricant, and boom, you've got yourself a little, uh, yeah, wow, company. Wow, Gosh. Yeah. Now they just need a name and a slogan, which I'm going to have to think about. <laughs> well, um, Stephen, it has been a 
tremendous pleasure to have you on Real Sex today. Um, can you tell people your website for your practice in case they are interested in learning more about you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my website is montesinoscounseling.com. So my last name, the word counseling.com. Uh, you can also just Google search Stephen Montesinos. I think there's maybe two of us. In the world. <laughs> in the world at this point in time. You might find more Esteban Montesinos's, but yes. the, the, the at least uh, English version of that name, you'll find it. Um, and then I, I also, I think I mentioned this to you too, but it's okay. I'll just share the name of my podcast, yeah. which um, we started during the pandemic. So it was a little rougher and then we launched season two, but then just couldn't get it off the ground beyond that. But we are looking to make uh, hopefully some sort of a comeback in some form. Yeah. But that podcast is a lift, feel, pray. And it's sort of a, a look at wellness from three different perspectives, the perspective of a uh, personal trainer mm -hmm. and gym owner, owner, a good friend of mine, and then a, a pastor, Methodist pastor, a good friend of mine as well, and then myself as a licensed psychotherapist. So um, it, check that out on most places, most places where you can find podcasts. So lift, feel, pray. Awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. This has been another episode of Real Sex with Dr. Noel. Feel free to turn up the lights or not.